episode 49, rounded third, the baseball podcast. Max, we are back. It is the 4th of July, Independence Day here in America as we are recording. A couple fun things to get into. A little bit light of a news cycle, so we're going to review the Sunday night baseball game that happened last night. We're going to do our weekly player watch. We're going to talk about uh, one of the most entertaining days of the year, in my opinion. That is July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day. And got a couple questions I'm going to spring on you. And we got to talk about Luke Gehrig. All that coming up after the intro, which you can roll in one second. After I let everyone know, if you want to keep up with all of the latest baseball content coming out with us, follow our socials, our Twitter, Rounding Third Now. That is Rounding 3RD Now and our Instagram, Rounded Third Podcast. Get over there, check out everything. Let's roll the intro. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Special intro, special intro, especially given today, uh, July 4th. It is now the 83rd anniversary of that speech. That is correct. Yes, sir. I think so. Yeah. 83 years since that speech, Lou Gehrig, of course, one of the most influential, most famous baseball players to ever play the game. Um, Obviously, career cut short with his ALS diagnosis um, and the struggle through all of that. But that incredible speech from his last game uh, on July 4th. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I think, even outside of baseball, it's one of the most even recognizable speeches. Uh, I mean, the, the line that we play is specifically like one of the most famous lines. Um, but yeah, I mean, really tragic life story. Um, obviously became a baseball Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, but he passed away at only the age of 37 which like, if you think about players like Albert, for example, who are in their forties now still playing, he had already passed several years before. And the speech kind of came towards the latter half of his life when it was really frail. Um, He was lost a lot of weight, looked much older. um, And it was a very short speech and a very touching speech, James. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those you said at best, like, of course, probably the most famous baseball speech that there's ever been, but it's up there for speeches all time, specifically that line, you know, um, it, it just the gratitude and humility that he showed in that speech as he was dying, as, as an incredible career was cut short, an incredible life cut short. The fact that he was still there, grateful, thankful, uh, you know, really just a model of, how I think we all would like to conduct ourselves and, and live our lives. So, you know, have to give a special shout out to Lou Gehrig providing the intro for us every single episode. Yep, definitely. Long time Yankee. He was a Yankee from age 20 to 36. And he also played over 150 games in almost every single season he was there, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things kind of like Sandy last week where it's like his career's cut short, but either way, I'm glad we're able to put it at the, the intro. Yeah. No better, no better way to start it off and a good way to start off this show, this July 4th special, if you will, even though this is just our Monday episode. 
So with that, I kind of want to segue into some questions I didn't let you prepare for. Just kind of wanted to rapid fire. Uh, first one, I imagine you've seen the hats today, last night, over the weekend. What do you think of the custom 4th of July MLB hats that every single team is using? I don't like them at all, to be honest. That's that's funny you brought that up. I was I was watching Sunday Night Baseball last night, and I was just like taking a bet. Like, yeah, I agree. You know, it's cool to have American flag hats, but these just look like like a flat bill you'll get from a truck stop on a long car ride. Like, they do not look well made. Uh, the design is super weird, like kind of a mix of like graphic design, but also kind of like monster truck vibes. I don't really like them to be honest. I bet mean, I mean, you feel the same way. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> they may be the worst hat that MLB has like used in a game in 20 years. I mean, I love the way you summed that up. It is like a truck station hat or like the little stand of like illegal merchandise that no one's licensed to sell outside the baseball stadium. You know, you're walking across the bridge in Cincinnati. And they're like, here, take this America. I mean, it looks terrible. I agree. You definitely want to have a 4th of July hat, but like, I feel like there's a million better ways to do that. I mean, when the design leaked about a month ago and it was on, you know, you can buy them if you want them on the MLB store. I, I don't know why you would ever, well, I'd rather never wear a hat in my life again than uh, where would I, I just had this, like, who approved that? Like, who saw that and was yeah. like, we nailed this one? Because it looks, they're hideous. Yeah, and like, I haven't had a ton of chance to sit down and watch a ton of games this past weekend, but I did watch Sunday Night Baseball. I thought maybe it was just like a, that, that game type of thing but when i turned on the games this morning everybody had it on yeah all day today just these hideous hats and it, it's just been making me laugh and i had to know i assumed you would think that uh what i really want to know i mean comment someone if you like them i'm just interested like is there anyone in the entire country who watches baseball who's like that hat's sick like that is a hat i need to buy and if so are you gonna buy it uh a couple little questions for the fans there you know, now we can get through the hat. We agree. It's terrible. One other question I have for you relative to this, Max, and of course you have a lot of games today. Not every team is playing. Notably, the New York Yankees not playing. I mean, up there for one of the most iconic sports franchises ever. Kind of makes sense they would play, you know, 4th of July. Again, the Phillies aren't playing, you know, Philadelphia kind of very critical to the story of our independence on July 4th, 1776, that document signed in Philadelphia. Um, so kind of questionable that they're not playing. My big question is you look at the other major four sports leagues. I mean, the NFL runs Thanksgiving. Like that's just a thing. Thanksgiving, NFL, Christmas Day, it's all about NBA. Even the New Year, New Year's Day, it's NHL. They have their outdoor game. Why is it that baseball doesn't, like, play up July 4th? I mean, it works for – it's America's pastime, Independence Day. Like, they shouldn't mark it up to this. You know, maybe not Field of Dreams, but, like, this should be a bigger deal. It just seems like any other day in baseball with just these shitty hats that they put on. No, I'm with you. It is it is interesting that you bring that up um, because you're right, like, NBA, Christmas Day is a huge deal. Thanksgiving, football, it's a huge deal. Like That's what you do during those days is you sit and watch. Um, and it just seems like we're in a time right now where there are no other major sports going on. It's like one of those rare times, right? NBA and NHL just ended. Um, it does seem like they should play it up a lot more. 
I know they do put effort into it because think about the usual weeks. You don't have day games on Mondays typically. And today we had a game in D.C. in Nationals Ballpark um, starting at, I think, like 11.05. So they are kind of changing the schedule because they know everybody's going to have time to watch, but they don't kind of make a big advertising campaign for it, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... I think you have every single team. And again, there should be this giant lead up and it's like July 4th. Everyone's at tailgates. They're at pool parties, whatever, like just toss baseball on in the background. Again, no major sports for another two months are going to be playing. And to me, like what needs to happen is a marquee matchup between the nationals and Phillies. Like I think every July 4th having DC play Philadelphia, like that just is a no brainer. You don't have to worry. You know, it would be, just a classic National League matchup, so nothing to worry about there. I mean, I, it's just the failed lack of marketing or making this big event is crazy to me, considering every league has, like, a day they dominate. And it works perfect. The day presents itself. You have no other competition. It's America's pastime. Uh, it's just thinking about the day. You know, I don't know if there's much more to say, but it's like, man, how can we key into this and make it better? And step one, we got to fix those hats. I mean, you have such a great opportunity to get a nice, like, stars and stripes type of hat. Got to fix that. Got to make some kind of marquee matchup. I don't know if it's a change in stadium venue. Um, I agree. Like, it seems like they're doing something because they're adjusting the game schedule. They're putting games early in the day. And they're doing at least something with the hats. Um but I, I think they could be done better. I, I, I like your point. I never really thought about it too much. And I think the NBA and NFL in particular do a great job of this. Yeah, no, it, and it would make natural sense. So, you know, hopefully that's something they put into the work. Some of the younger guys coming into the commissioner's office, you know, like uh, CC Sabathia, Ken Griffey Jr., now advising Rob Manfred. Uh, we'll see what comes to this, but if they need help, you know, round and third, we're willing to offer our services and uh, try to up the event and maybe just pre-marketing, just like, hey, it's July 4th. Like, you can't do July 4th without baseball, you know, just because, like, to me, like, I'm not going to your house. I'm not going to my grandma's house for Thanksgiving if football's not going to be on. Like, just no interest in it. It's got to have NFL football. I don't need to be there, but it's got to be in the background. Uh, so... We'll see. With that being said, kind of talked about July 4th. Uh, so I don't know. Do you have anything else to add on that, Max? Or No, I, I think that, that that covers it for me. <laughs> well, perfect. So I would transition to what is my favorite day for baseball in July. That is July 1st. A uh, couple interesting things kicked in. You know, a lot of the financial year, fiscal year start. Uh, so the contract terms happen there. And Max, I'd love to kick it over to you to explain to the listeners why I love July 1st so much and the intricacies of Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a wider sports day at this point because of kind of the absurdity of it. But Bobby Bonilla Day, July 1st, every year on July 1st until 2035, started in 2011, Bobby Bonilla, former MLB player, gets paid $1.2 million dollars just right into the bank, direct deposit, is good to go. All because of this, it's kind of a long story and brings in all types of, you know, political references and why this is kind of crazy. But Bobby Bonilla was kind of an up and coming slugger at one point in his career. Um, he didn't really pan out how teams would hope. He 
was with the Mets for a while, left, went to the Marlins, came back to the Mets. And they cut him in 2000, but still were on the hook for $5.9 million that they had to pay him. And instead of just cutting him a check right there, they decided they would pay him installments from 2011 to 2035, 25 total payments of $1.2 million and some change uh, at 8% interest. And this was their kind of alternative for clearing up some space to sign other players and make a postseason run, but also fulfilling their contractual obligations to Bobby Bonilla, who hasn't even been playing for them this almost this entirety. And I will say deferred contracts like aren't as uncommon as maybe this makes it seem like Scherzer has one. Freddie Freeman has one that we talked about. Manny Ramirez had one. The Bobby Bonilla thing is kind of funny because he was never even that good when they had him on this contract. And in 2015, when they went to the World Series, he was making more than all of those guys on that team, and he hadn't played for them in 15 or so years. But the thing that's interesting is they chose to do this with the 8% interest because they were Bernie Madoff at the time's biggest client or one of his biggest clients, Bernie Madoff, famous Ponzi schemer, promised returns of 10, 15%. So they were kind of like, this is free money for us. You know, we'll just pay him back with his interest. Um, and it obviously didn't end up working out that way. One thing that's interesting, though, James, when they cleared up this space to bring somebody else in and improve their lineup, they brought in a pitcher, Mike Hampton, who at the time was a two-time All-Star, ended up being NLCS MVP for them that year, and they went to the World Series. Next year, they trade him to Colorado for a first-round pick. That pick turns into David Wright, who becomes, you know, kind of a Mr. Corner, cornerstone of that franchise. So, you know... There are pros and cons, who who won, who lost, but Bobby Bonilla definitely didn't lose. Yeah, I mean, I think Bobby Bonilla is the biggest winner. He in my he may be a top 50 most recognized name in baseball with a, a single ounce of that has nothing to do with a bat in his hand, just the fact that he took what would have been a $5.9 million payout and somehow convinced an organization to give him more or less close to $30 million by the time you factor in the inflation, which it's like, his agent, whoever got the Mets to agree to that, uh, and it's funny, I never realized it was because they were like, oh, this Bernie Madoff character is just <laughs> printing us money. Yeah. Pretty hilarious that, like, they fell for, like, Mr. Ponzi scheme. Uh, I mean, it seems like, yeah, the Mets kind of won with the clear up. It's just funny that, like, it's still happening. They're still paying him $1.2 million every single year. And it's just like, again, you could have just cut one check, $6 million, been out of there. No problem. And they just continue like this is a problem the organization will face for still another decade and some change of having to pay him. Uh, and again, I mean, what I just love it. I mean, what a place to be at if you're probably a 1.2 on 1.2 mil into the direct deposit. I mean, you know, July 4th has got to be crazy for him. Yeah, it's just hilarious. Like once a year, he just gets this massive check from a team he hasn't been even associated with in 20 years and was never even really that good for getting paid basically 5x what he was owed because of this weird Ponzi scheme with the crook. It's just so funny. It's so funny. And I mean, like you said, you could argue it was right because they got David Wright, but they went to the World Series in 2000 and 2015, didn't win either. They haven't won a World Series since the 80s. So depends what you define success as. I mean, 
different era, Steve Cohen era now. But one thing I will say just on the fact, because it ties back to the Verd contracts and the Mets. Uh, speaking of that, you mentioned Scherzer. Uh, and Scherzer has a uh, deferred contract that just kicked in this year. But uh, the Nationals are actually paying Scherzer more right now to pitch for the Mets than pretty much any pitcher in their organization makes outside of Steven Strasburg, who also is not pitching for the Nationals uh, and just hanging out on the IL full time. Yeah, and now they apparently they offered some huge bigger deal to Juan Soto. Uh, and he, he allegedly turned it down, obviously. Um, I think we talked on before, but obviously he wants to probably go somewhere. It's a bit more competitive than Washington, but that'll be something interesting to see. Yeah, interesting. I mean, how did you celebrate Bobby Benita? Do anything special? No, can't say I did. Uh, I did see Steve Cohen, though, ultra-billionaire owner of the Mets now. He sent out a tweet kind of celebratory of Bobby Benita. He said, I hope everyone's celebrating. I think he, Steve Cohen should just pay that guy out now. It's like a drop in the bucket for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably, well, I almost wonder if, like, you just make it almost a marketing thing. I would get him, dude, if you're the Mets, Bobby Benilla's throwing out the first pitch July 1, like, every, I would die before that didn't happen. Like, if I'm Steve Cohen, I'm like, he's making, I do a big, the fat check presentation on the mouth. It would be so funny. And the marketing in itself of doing that would probably be worth the 1.2 check every year. Just have him throw the pitch, the big check. Everyone would get that. a kick out of that. I love that. Do the Bobby Bonilla giveaway. Get him throwing out the first pitch. Have him standing there with Steve Cohen. Big check, $1.2 million. Yeah, bobblehead, jersey. I mean, like a jersey giveaway. But, I mean, honestly, like the fact that we're not being paid to be marketing consultants or MLB and or some of its subsidiary franchises is crazy. Because just, what, 20 minutes into this episode, we basically have saved the sport with marketing ideas. It's true. Maybe one day we will be. Let's make it happen. So those were kind of the big things this past weekend, James. I like you throwing in the question about the hats because I did notice that. Didn't think I would say anything. I'll throw one back at you here before we get into player watch and the lock of the week. What do you think of uh, those Padres City Connect ones? Have you had a chance to see them with the neon pink, the San Diego across the front? Uh, I'm mixed on it a little bit. I like what I said. I will say the video that they put out to release it, that was elite level marketing. That guy needs promoted straight to the league office right out of San Diego. Incredible video with the low riders, Tatis. I like the jersey theme. The thing I need to see is just how does this all come together on a field? You know, we've seen it in the studio pictures. I want to see what it looks like on a field. It's also a little confusing because it gives me that Miami Vice color wave. Like, I really feel like that, that color wave belongs in Miami. Uh, I'll tell you, Jazz Chisholm rocking that thing. I, I'd probably have to buy one. Probably have to. But they still look pretty sweet. I hope when they debut, Tatis will be back because, like, I mean, he's he's so drippy in himself. Uh, I think they kind of need it. I don't think he will be. I think they're debuting him. If they haven't already, I don't think they have, but it's going to be soon. I saw the date, and it was it was upcoming. I forget what it is now. I agree Thank with you. what you said about the Miami Vice, though. They're very similar to that. I they're not really my style. Like I would like if the Cardinals ever wore something like that, I would never get it. I think, but I think it it looks cool. I guess you know if people like those colors in that colorway. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, San Diego is probably one of the few organizations that could could even pull that off. I mean, I think it has to be South Florida 
Well, San Diego, that pretty much is your list. Uh, but I think it could be a lot worse. Um, I've actually been pretty happy with the City Connects this year. I know you weren't a fan of the Brewers one, which I really liked. Uh, you know, there's been some swing and misses. I mean, I thought the Giants one was actually not terrible, but because it was a Giants jersey, it looked god-awful to me. I like um, Houston's uh, Space City ones. I like that color. Incre- um, those are incredible. I also like the Chicago White Sox, the pinstripe black and white ones. Those are pretty clean, too. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, I feel like there's the Angels one, too, kind of that surfer one. Those are okay. I just kind of feel like they're always underwhelming. I never see one, and I'm, like, obsessed with it. I did like the Nationals kind of flower-themed one. I thought those were really, really clean. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll go one up. Uh, we haven't touched on it. The Dodger City Connect is appalling. I hate that jersey. I hate when they wear it. It was so bad they made like a midseason addition to it to make the bill of the hat black now with the like blue. It's gross. Uh, Isn't it? Doesn't it just say Los Dodgers or is it, or am I not? Yeah. No, it says Los Dodgers, but it's like that like royal blue. I'm just not a fan of it. It's not. I don't think it's a good look. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see them on field. I don't think you can like make the full judgment from like the studio or video shots, but it's at least a cool idea. I like anything that's trying to like get more attention into the game. I'm all about. Uh, so we'll see how it looks in theory. Uh, I mean, again, get you Darvish, march him out of that. He's gonna look ridiculous, uh, as ridiculous as you Darvish can look. I mean, again, what he just uh, let LA do to him. Eesh. Tough. That was a pretty good series. But, James, how about we go to uh, player watch here? Some interesting stuff. One player that's trending up, one player that's trending down. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Well, I want you to go first on the bad player watch. So, however you want to time that up, you can let me know. I've got a plethora of good players to choose from. All right. You go first for good player. I'll go second, and then I'll start the bad one. So give me your hot okay. player. I, it's it's hard here because there's so many options I'm looking at. There's a pitcher I think really deserves recognition. But this is a no-brainer. If you give me 1-1 one, one pick on player watch, my man, the face of baseball, the future of baseball, should be a rookie all-star, Julio Rodriguez. I know we just both picked him as our June AL Rookie of the Month. The dude has lit it up this week, including a home run today. He has four homers and seven ribbies over the last week, which he's been batting 1.34 over. And actually, that number's not adjusted for his recent home run. Uh, so that probably is up over 135 now. Uh, he's hitting, was hitting at 400, probably a little bit higher uh, with the game that's going on right now, and stole a base. I mean, he's been... <laughs> I mean, I know I've been on the kids since he got called up and all about it. And, like, he started out a little, like, questionable, you know, a little bit of a slow start, which almost all the rookies not named Stephen Kwan did. But, wow, I mean, he has been incredible over the last, you know, month, month and a half. But this last week has been just elite, elite baseball up there for one of the best hitters in the game over the last week. He's insane. Like, he's quickly becoming and is one of my favorite players in baseball to watch. I mean, his numbers of late, they're on par with Ken Griffey's at this stage in his career. Um, you can compare him to all types of young players in the game, like Ron Cunha. Good center fielder, super fast, five-tool player, absolute. I mean, he's just a beast. He's so sick. 
Um, I'll tell you, but before you even get into yours, because I can see you're making the pivot there, the Mariners need to sign him. Like, it needs to be, like, tomorrow. Like, the, I know it's been a month and a half good, but you give them the five-year Jordan Alvarez bag. I mean, you don't even – if you're the Mariners, you cannot screw around with the idea of losing this kid if you ever want to win anything in Seattle. I'm 100% in agreement with you there. Uh, the, I mean, he's going to be – he could be the face of a franchise, and – you want that to be you if you're the Mariners. I'm going to go with a guy I had to watch just destroy the Cardinals all weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, he's just hitting everything. Reese Hoskins for the Philadelphia Phillies, their first baseman. I mean, his stats are crazy. Last seven days, he's got a 421 average and on-base percentage over 500. Um, and his OPS at like 1.6. It's ridiculous. He's 8 for 19. And of his eight hits, he has four homers and two doubles. Uh I mean, he's not only hitting everything, but he's hitting everything really hard. He only has three strikeouts compared to five walks in the last seven days. So he's not striking out and he's hitting the ball really hard. It was tough to watch him, but I think he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. Yeah, no, I love the pick there. I mean, I think that was the second hitter I had on my board. Uh, Again, big part of that win last night on Sunday Night Baseball, which we'll get into uh, and yeah, I think he slides in between the cracks there. Obviously, he's injured now, but the talk of Phillies, Bryce Harper, and now with the Nick Castellanos, uh, you know, offseason, everyone's talking about that. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've been noticing this trend, Max. Like, play-by-play guys just cannot get Nick Castellanos' name right. And it's, like, confusing because it's like he's been a big enough name in the league for long enough that all 30 play-by-play commentators should have this down. Um Castellanos but, is just cursed with the play-by-plays, no matter what. Like, think about the the, the Castellanos, the deep left. As yeah, mid-apology. Maybe the greatest call in the history of baseball. Honest to God, in my opinion, that was so funny. Uh, but yeah, Hoskins, he's been lighting it up. He's had a really, really good uh, month here in this last week, especially exceptional. Uh, big if Philly wants to stay in this package long enough to get Bryce back. Yeah, exactly. They're, they'll need him if... Uh, to, to pick up some offensive production with Bryce Harper out for the foreseeable future next at least two months. But James, let me go to my last one for you. But before you toss bad, I just want a little honorable mention. Robbie Ray, who's had a real tough year, has been incredible over his last two starts. Uh, only one earned run on a home run, .73 whip. So little tip of the cap to Robbie. I got one honorable mention too. Miguel Cabrera is on like a crazy hit streak. He's he's hitting the ball hard too. He's honestly looking pretty good, even though he's into those waning years of his career. Um, but my negative player of the week, trending down player. A couple names on this list here. I'm gonna go with one with I don't think you would choose. Uh, was at one point the number one prospect in baseball, Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals. Not been looking good recently. He He's kind of been up and down. He started the season not great uh, from an offensive standpoint. His defense is good, but from an offensive standpoint, he didn't start the year great. He didn't get his first home run until May. Since then, he's picked it up, but he's 0 for 12 so far in July with four strikeouts. And in the last seven days, he's 3 for 24. Last 15 days, he's 9 for 50 um, and only three home runs. Zero home runs in the last seven days, three in the last 15 days. His OPS, so his on-base percentage plus his slugging percentage uh, in the last seven days is .285. Not been a good month of July. 
so far for Bobby Wood Jr. I still like him. I still, you know, I'm rooting for him. I think he's got tremendous potential. But from the plate this year, he's not been good, and especially of late. Yeah, now the defense is exceptional. I actually had him on my short list uh, as well. And I think, you know, there's some time. You know, get him a year or so. He's just a little bit slower than the rest of his rookie class, kind of picking up to bat and getting there. Uh, But, again, what do the Royals have to lose? I'd be playing this guy every at-bat possible. I'd be uh, doing double switches to move him up in the order and get him that fourth at-bat if you have to. I mean, this year, like – Try and get him 500 at-bats. Let him develop. I mean, if they're going to be something, this kid's going to have to be part of it. Exceptional uh, defender in the infield. And, and before you used to go, like, he has been decent offensively. In, in May and June, both months, his OPS was over 800. Um, so, you know, he's shown signs of what he can do, and he's been he's done it for a decent amount of the season. But, again, of late, he's just not – He's when he has hit it, he hasn't hit it harder. Just singles, but I'm rooting for the guy. I will uh, – so I got a preface before I give my bad pick because I have to give a bad pick, have to give a pick for the graphic. But I've also got an honorable mention rant coming in, uh, just to just see, you know, a little two-prong approach here. My bad pick, player watch, I mean, this one's pretty easy to me. Uh, the biggest name, maybe in all of baseball, biggest name on what – what I would maybe start to classify as the biggest joke of an organization in baseball. I'm of course referring to the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim fourth place in the American league West uh, at this point. And part of that, and they have been sucking it up recently. I mean, just abysmally terrible, like borderline unwatchable. Um, I'm basically only tuning in max if Shohei's pitching. I mean, that's where I'm at with this angels team. I agree. Did you say the name of your pick? I mean, I, uh, I, ha- I have not yet, but I'm obviously referring to Mike Trout, uh, yeah. who who he, he's been on the bad side of this player watch a couple times already this year, yeah. but also having a great year, obviously going to the All-Star game, shortlist MVP. But over this last week, he is two hits and 23 at-bats. That's good for a .87, which is just terrible. Now one of those hits was a home run. Uh, so I guess that's good for him. 348 OPS, which is really, really bad. But when you realize with the home run and you take a slugging out, Max is on base, same as the batting average. Did not draw a week, a walk this entire week. That's a .87 on base. I mean, dude, you are the best. And it's not like he had 10 at-bats. He had 23. That's about a standard week, 20 to 30. So it's like you are the best player in the sport. Uh I mean, the OPP, the batting average, it's just – if the Angels have any shot at winning games, he's got to play lights out. I like what you said about the Angels like being one of the most poorly run franchises. I mean, they have to be. How have you had arguably two of the greatest players this game has seen in the last 20 years, let alone the entirety of baseball? And you can't even make the postseason. You can't even get to third place in your division. You're behind a team that went won 60 games last year in the Texas Rangers. And you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost like heart-wrenching. Because it's these guys deserve to be on the big stage and see what they can do in October. But we've never really got that chance because they can't really build a serviceable and consistent lineup around them. 
Well, and I will tell you this, Max, kind of an interesting question or storyline that we've gone down here, because I don't have one ounce. I have a lot of sympathy and sadness for baseball as a whole, just being robbed of seeing some of the, I mean, you always want your playoffs to be the best of the best. I don't have a single shred of sympathy for Mike Trout or Shohei Otani, who both, Mike Trout signed the mega, mega extension, opted to stay in a place which had made really no actual attempts to get better. Now, I will say they did sign Rendon, which they thought was going to be helpful. That was obviously not. Uh, but Shohei, I mean, it was a gigantic buyer's market. I mean, every MLB team in America was hosting him, trying to get his services. You know, maybe things would have looked different if the uh, DH was universal uh, at the time of his free agency. But both players had the ability to go through a free agent pr- free agency process and instead opted to sign with the Angels long-term, stay there. Now, Shohei's not long-term. He'll get to revisit this conversation, I think, here in three years. or. Uh, so, but you, so if you're – I mean, you don't have any sympathy for them, but let me ask you this. If the alternative to them signing a long-term deal in Anaheim, kind of, you know, I w- it's in L.A., so I wouldn't say like a lower market team, but they're not, you know, one of the cornerstone franchises of baseball – the alternative would be them signing some monster contract with, say, the Yankees or the Mets or one of these super rich teams. And I then feel they would have been equally susceptible to criticism for doing that. Um, but, I mean, at this point, things would be different. They wouldn't be getting criticized as much. But I just don't want to say let's blame them and put this blame on them for choosing to stay. Cause I feel like there would be an equally negative sentiment if they chose a different route as well. You know, I always like when guys stay home, stay where they draft them, helps build that franchise and eventually maybe get a world series. Yeah. I mean, it's a fair point and a good point that you bring up that, you know, instead of them kind of selling out and making that move, because again, if you put Mike Trout on the Mets, they probably win two or three world series in a row with this pitching staff. Uh, But, you know, so maybe there, you know, I can retract that and take a little bit of blame back because certainly, I mean, my biggest problem was with the Angels organization. We've seen a collapse across the board. I mean, this trial, the Tyler Skagg situation, uh, I mean, the way that they've handled everything. They signed the deal to Albert, who we both love as a player in person, but one of the worst deals in MLB history. Uh, Anthony Rendon, they followed very similar path there. They just can't seem to like get it done. Again, they, they could have. Stroman not having a great year, but I think they should have made a stronger push there uh, to bolster the pitching. It's just an organization who can't put anything there and we've talked about it at nausea but it's just infuriating you have literally probably two guys who are perennially on the top three or top four list of al mvp voting on the same team and like not a chance the last thing i'll say like one of the most disappointing things about it is i feel like the same conversation exists year on year after year after year it's always this team has this talent especially at the top why can't they go further? It's their, their pitching's not there. The rest of their offense isn't there. But it's over and over again. We have the same conversation about the same team for the same reasons. Yeah. Uh, it just sucks. Well, and I revert back to earlier in the season, though, when they were things were clicking, and you're like, no, this team's different. 
And, you know, you, you I still I hold it against you because you switched me and you convinced me and you talked me into believing the hype and thinking that the Angels are finally going to do it. It's the same old team, and it's clear at this point it's an organizational rehaul that is needed. Uh, I mean, you have even Phil, which, by the way, just fun Angels fact, they're on like their fourth interim manager uh, last game because of just all the suspension. Phil Nevin gone for 10 games for using an opener to try and kill Julio Rodriguez, which I don't appreciate. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you just hope these guys can get there. But, again, I'm not shedding a ton of tears because it's like, well, if you want to win, it's the same 10 teams in baseball who every year, I mean, even like are committed to winning. Look at the Cardinals. They're not the biggest market ever, but I feel like every year they are committed to winning and trying to get better. Now Cardinals fans may disagree given the starting pitching situation right now, but they're always no, I, trying. I think as a Cardinal fan, you have to agree with that statement, regardless of the, maybe the subparness of our pitching, we're still competing for playoff spots. We're there every year. And again, like, it's St. Louis, Missouri. It's just the, it's not a huge market, but it's the cardinal way that people are drawn to. But James, I want to hear about your rant here. Give me your rant. Okay, my honorable mention rant. Uh, obviously, Devis, I'm glad you reminded. I would have completely forgotten it. Obviously, it was devastating, heart wrenching, heartbreaking. Everything, all the adjectives when Kenley Jansen left the Dodgers. One of the harder days in baseball my entire life. Uh, Love Kenley Jansen. Things looked good on the organizational front because they instantly, within a week, traded A.J. Pollock for Craig Krimble. Craig Krimble being the only player, only relief pitcher in baseball to have more saves than Kenley Jansen in their, their same occupied time. So it's like, okay, well, we lost Kenley Jansen and replaced him with the only guy with more saves. Uh, and he's been okay for L.A., but he's blown some games that are just unacceptable. The last one coming in San Diego, that to me, this was the breaking point. And again, he's had a pretty just shit week anyways. Uh, but what he just did in Sunday, San Diego, uh, was disgusting. Uh, or I should rather say, in the San Diego Padres game, you have Clayton Kershaw come out. Vintage performance, you know, seven innings, no earned runs, only giving up four hits. Has him in a position to win a nice stellar 1-0 game. Crimble comes in and just screws it, just bludgeons it, whatever. Padres take I'm not that concerned because, again, in the last, it's 16 or 17 matchups that Padres have won two of them. So, again, maybe time to change the name because you're certainly not L.A.'s father, daddy, or anything like that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> little brother, you know, Tio, or I guess Tio's uncle in Spanish. Trying to think what little brother is. That's probably what we want to change that uh, name to. So I'm not that worked up about it, but it's just like, dude, I don't know if I can trust Craig Krimble in the playoffs at all. Looking forward to trying and getting back. So just honorable mention, dude. I don't know what he's doing, but and, and his weird chicken wings arms piss me off. I don't want him. Dude, I feel like you I feel like you always say his name wrong. Like, isn't it Craig Kimbrell? Like K I M B R E L. It is Craig Kimbrell. Uh you just use Crumble or Crumble. Yeah, he's the crumbler because all he's going to do is come in and crumble your lead. From now on, I'm only referring to him as Craig Crumble uh, moving forward. I do agree with your sentiment, though. I I felt like – I mean, you watch the Dodgers closer than I do, but I I do feel like watching them that he's not, you know, I wouldn't say the long-term solution to the closer spot on that team. Um, I I think he's still fully capable, but he's not been like an all-star level this year by any means. 
No, and he's not the guy who's going to close it out when the pressure is the high. You know, if you got a bases loaded jam in the ninth and you did a four out close and you march him out, I'm going to concede the game. I mean, before he throws one pitch, I'm just going to concede. Say, let's hit the showers. We'll see you tomorrow. Maybe, tr- maybe some trade for Rollis Chapman. Oh, I don't know if I want that bomb either. How do we get? I'll trade Freddie for Kenley one for one. That's what I'm targeting. And again, Kenley Jansen in the last three years has made my ninth inning like a living hell. I just love him. So let's round it out with a, a Sunday night baseball here. I, I don't want to talk about this game for long because it was pretty depressing. Uh, Cardinals in Philadelphia, series tied 1 1. Grudge match on Sunday night baseball, a uh, rubber match, I should say. Cardinals just the offense was really bummy. Zach Wheeler was totally shut shut us down. We got four hits all game, um, and all four were in the seven innings pitched by Wheeler. Didn't get a hit out of the two relievers to come in. Wayno didn't have a great performance. Gave up four runs, eight hits, two homers, and five innings pitched. Like we talked about earlier, Hoskins he got all over the ball, two for four. Just kind of like a disappointing game from beginning to end from for, for, from a Cardinal fan perspective. Yeah, I think in general, you know, from a Cardinal fan perspective, obviously disappointing. Even so, the game was just a little boring to me. I mean, Philly did get, get some scores up there. You had the big Hoskins home run, JT Rio Muto. It's a home run. Wheeler's good. But, like, it was just, I don't know. There wasn't, like, small ball or stringing offense together. It just wasn't – it wasn't a very entertaining baseball game. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of one of those games that that you just kind of toss on in the background and operate. Um, and to make it things worse, Michael Kay uh, got COVID for a second time. He, he made sure to let everyone know uh, was not on the K-Rod uh, coverage, so I did not watch the K-Rod because, like, if it's called K-Rod and Kay's not there, like, then I'm just watching Rod. Now, I will say, Alex Rodriguez, Julio Rodriguez, that is a Sunday Night Baseball commentator room I'll watch uh, indefinitely. But, yeah, Max, I mean, not much more to add. I think the only conversation here really is around player of the game uh, award. And I think there's three options in my head. Yeah, I, I know the three you're talking about. And pretty clear three. It's tough. Um which one to choose? I mean, obviously, James, I think the three candidates are Reese Hoskins, who went two for four with a double and a homer, two runs scored in RBI. JT Real Muto, home run, two for four, two RBIs, one run scored. And Zach Wheeler, seven innings pitched, four hits, no runs, five Ks, only one walk. They've all got a really strong case for it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what's tough. That's the exact three, um, pretty much the the three guys who changed the game. You know, it's tough. You look at the offense, didn't need all the production because of what Wheeler was able to do. So maybe the nod there, I mean, he contained the St. Louis offense. It's been really, really hot recently. Uh, Yeah, I'm leaning towards Wheeler um, because the the – Cardinals offense is kind of what carries them to a lot of wins. They actually have one of the better offenses in baseball and to keep them, you know, pretty much held to nothing and go seven innings deep, only walk one, no runs scored. I think he's got to get the nod. Um, And of the four hits he gave up, none of them were from extra bases. So really minimal, minimal damage done. I'm going Zach Wheeler. 
Yeah, I like the pick. I think the other ones you could kind of flip back and forth with who is even more important there. You can't have that conversation with Wheeler. He stole the show. So, you know, rounding third, player of the game, Sunday Night Baseball, Zach Wheeler. Uh, hopefully we don't see the Phillies on Sunday Night Baseball in a while. Not a knock against them. They just spin there the entire time. And I think they're like the 20th most exciting team to watch in baseball. Like, Yeah, and I think next week we got a – I mean, we'll preview it, but Yankees, Red Sox, and Fenway. So It's juicy. That's certainly juicy. Um, but yeah, then you I mean, guys, yeah, go ahead. Just going to say, you know, good episode. Happy 4th of July to everyone listening, although you'll probably be hearing this a uh, couple days later. Uh, start peppering the league. We need to start marketing the game better on the 4th of July. And uh, Bobby Benito, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the show to talk about, like, how you signed the greatest contract in the history of professional sports or agreement, I guess. Talk to you guys again Thursday evening for episode 50. I guess maybe we should do something special for it. But, uh, yep, big episode 50 on Thursday. Thank you, guys.